Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, turning water into wine. One bottle at a time. Oh, one bottle at a time? Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and nothing makes me crankier. I know this is hard to believe. Nothing. Than Americans ordering sangria in Spain. I think it should say, hi, I'm Drea, and one thing that makes me cranky is... You know what? You had the chance to review this document. I did. I didn't change it. Oh, and by the way, I'm Jules, and I love lazy summer days, day drinking on a nice patio, whether it's on a restaurant patio or my own. Preferably my own. It's a little bit cheaper. I mean, you know, why not? She's on a budget now. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to our July episodes. Our next two episodes will celebrate, that's right, summer cocktails. And we're kicking it off with the ultimate wine cocktail, sangria. Whether you're enjoying... Or as you Americans call it, sangria. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Whether you're enjoying summer on the Mediterranean or sipping in your own personal mini pool a la Jules. Yes. Sangria offers a world of possibilities for summer sipping. But before we get into all that, let's kick off with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. So Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing? I'm cheersing to warmer summer nights. They're pretty great. It is awesome to just walk outside the t-shirt or a tank top, which for a long time in San Diego was not the case. Like even in the summer, you had to have like a hoodie or a cardigan or a sweater or something. Yeah. So I'm Well, and that. to be able to like actually sit outside and not freeze to death is pretty nice. Except for one thing. I mean, hyperbole, yes, but yes. I'm not, not, I, won't, I won't apologize for it. Okay. What are you jeersing? I'm also jeersing. Oh, for fuck's sake. I just looked at the two. <laughs> The heat wave that we're experiencing in California that's causing the warmer nights. We literally went from kind of cold and cool, gray June gloom to like summer on the fucking sun. Like it's insane how it just went from shitty, depressing, cold weather to like now we're all boiling. Okay, dear listener. So just to to contextualize this for all of you a little bit, it is 83 degrees Fahrenheit here today. It is going to get so much worse. It is going to get so much worse. Why are you looking at your phone? It was 83 degrees at my house and I'm three blocks away from you. (laughs) Why are you looking at your phone? Because I'm just seeing what the rest of the week looks like Uh temperature-wise. And it actually has gone down from from what I looked at earlier today. Oh, look at that. See, it's all, it's looking up. But it is still, it feels a lot hotter than 83. Gotta admit, when you're in the sun... Which we were yesterday standing by the pool. Like, that sun was fucking hot. The sun was warm. It's also a little humid. Slightly humid. Yeah. I think. So. So anyway. What are you, you cheersing to? There's no just, there's no please in this bitch. Let me tell you. Oh! Is that the pot calling the kettle black? <laughs> Anywho. What are you cheersing to? I am cheersing to salads. The ultimate summer food. Everyone knows I love a fucking salad. I also eat salads all year long because I love a fucking salad, but summer salads just hit different. Like, you know, with fresh white corn or watermelon or blueberry. Like, I like to put all mint, the mint, all the fresh herbs, herbs ugh, squeeze a lemon. Hell yeah. Okay. I'm living my best salad days right now, literally. The salad days of summer. summer. A new podcast coming soon. With only Drea. 
all salads all the time. What are you jeersing to? Fucking mosquitoes. See, this is what I was referring to about sitting outside in the summer nights. Fucking mosquitoes. Yeah. I and so I so the the running joke in my house is I'm basically like the the dive bar for mosquitoes and that's why they eat the shit out of me. Yeah. Literally, I was bringing stuff in from the car around sunset the other night. I got bit four times. Oh, four. No. Four. Yeah. I am probably going to scratch the one on my ankle until I hit bone at this point. Like, it fucking sucks. I hate them. Where are your stickers? They're little bat. I could put stickers all over my body and they're still going to eat me. Oh, that sucks. Ugh, I hate it. I hate them. And I will say the mosquitoes have been extra bad last year and this year because even I get bit and I never get bit by mosquitoes. So I actually read that... Um, all insects are just like going berserko this year because yeah, the flies so are going bananas this so year. It's gross. More flies. I've seen a ton of bees out. I've seen a fuck ton of butterflies. They're fine. They can stay. They're great. We love them. Um, bees are great too. Bees are great. We Save need the, the bees. bees. But these mosquitoes need to go fuck themselves. I've had <laughs> it. <laughs> I can have it. Okay. Well, there you have it. Cheers and jurors, everyone. For today's Shawinigans, we have a special treat for you, dear listener. We have a Mad Libs. And our Mad Libs is called... The secret is in the... Sangria. Dun, dun, dun. So, here we go. When I have important people over for a soiree, I always whip up my signature dish. I know it's sure to knock their slut romper off and have them yelling, fuck my drag at the dinner table. To make this fancy recipe, you will need the following. One whole dog (laughs) with the tetas removed. Three cups of wine. Naturally. Two fresh frutas washed and peeled. Oh, this is working out fabulously. <laughs> this is going to be great. It sounds like a sangria. Um, four large eggs beaten with <laughs> a glass until frothy. Cool, cool, cool. Improvision. I like it. Yep. One small container of grated pitcher cheese. <laughs> That's a new one. Okay. <laughs> pitcher cheese. Got it. Cool. Season the meat with salt and drinks. I mean, that actually does track with us. Totally. Put it in the dirt to roast at 450 degrees. Apparently, we're in Hawaii. Yep, it's a big roast. <laughs> Until light pink. Ooh, that, that light pink dog sounds grim. In a saucepan, mix the remaining ingredients sheepishly. Because you're eating a fucking dog. Occasionally stopping to add a pinch of movie if needed. <laughs> 
Pour over the dish and garnish with peachy herbs. Okay, got it. Watch your guest guffaw <laughs> in delight. Oh, and congratulate yourself on a job well done. I mean, I think that was awesome. Well, there you go. <laughs> For bottle 59, um, we are actually using this episode to do something a little different and celebrate the hot, long days of summer. We're using our beloved wine to make a delightful summer sipper, a sangria. Sangria is the quintessential Spanish cocktail that is perfect for a summer evening. In addition, the great thing about sangria is that you can make them using the things you probably have in your home bar like a wine, a liquor, something to liven up the flavor profile, and some fruit. And probably some fruit that maybe has seen its better days. Like you can use up some fruits that are maybe a little past their prime. Yeah. I mean, obviously sure. not rotten fruit, but like maybe just something that you're fine with like putting in some booze. You know, forbidden fruit, as I like to call something it. Something like that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the price point for this is really as much or as little as you want it to be. Um, but if you think about having a glass of sangria out at a restaurant, you're paying about between 10 and $15, and you can really make them for much cheaper at home because you're probably really paying between $10 and $15 for the bottle of booze. So you're getting a lot more cocktails out of it. And the ABV is really going to be a question of, you know, what you use. So it's a choose-your-own-adventure. How lick it up do you want to get? How shit house do you want to get? Yeah, exactly. pretty much. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, Drea, tell us a little bit about the history of sangria so this one was really fun to research kind of like the spritz episode we did last summer because there's all sorts of crazy shit on the interwebs that tell you fun stuff um and so the term sangria comes from the spanish word for blood sangre and the term being used for the drink dates back to the 18th century when according to the sage Encyclopedia of Alcohol, sangria became popular in Spain, Greece, and jolly old England. Oh, the British love anything Spanish. And anything boozy, as we've yes. discovered on the podcast. Correct. Yep. So But not necessarily good. <laughs> well <laughs> Chapel Downs. <laughs> Please see our Chapel Downs episode. <laughs> so even though it really gets going in the 18th century, its roots can be traced back even further. Guess to who? Americans. No! Oh, for fuck's sake. The I'm Greeks! Kidding. <laughs> Jesus. So of course, the Greeks and the Romans. Um, had a habit of mixing their wine with sugar spice and spices and called their concoction Hippocross, um, and it can be served hot or cold. This is also likely the common ancestor of both sangria and mulled wines today. Um, and I was reading that, you know, for the Greeks and the Romans, they had to find ways to kind of water down these harsh wines because they really couldn't drink water. Because it was so contaminated all the time. Oh, so geez. they mostly drank wines and then later ales and stuff. So, you know, they had to get creative. Okay, so because our water in San Diego is so bad, that's why I drink a lot of wine. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay, well, mm -hmm. there you go. My story and I'm sticking to it. 
Uh, yeah, BTW Fight people. You. The water quality in San Diego is quite not delightful. Toilet to tap. It's not good. <laughs> Okay, so people who lived in what is now modern-day Spain were doing something similar with grapes planted by the Phoenicians around 1100 B.C. And That's then, before Christ. Thank you. For, for those of you <laughs> not in the know. Or B.C.E. could be before Common Era. Um, and then with vines later planted by the Romans. But in the 700s, the Spanish... Not wine, the 1700s. The no, 700s. The 700s. Yep, that's right. Hence why the American joke was a fucking joke. <laughs> in the 700s, the Spanish wine business, and by extension, the Spanish sangria business, took a bit of a dive. Mostly because Islamic Moors were then conquering the peninsula um, by 711 AD, or CE, Common Era. Sangria didn't make a triumphant return until the Moors' rule ended in 1492, and with the return of wine, there was, of course, the return of Sangria. So, you know, they just keep doing as they're doing, same old, same old. But in the 1700s and 1800s, the style of Sangria was made, started to, to shift a little bit because other people besides the Spanish were making it. It became really popular in England and France, and in those places they tr used more traditional French varietals. So instead of, you know, usually you get a, a sangria in Spain and it's made with Tempranillo or Rioja, they're using French vines, French grapes, French wines to make um, their sangria. So England and France also experimented with and popularized variations on the theme, including white sangria and sparkling sangria. They also made a special type of sangria with peaches, which they called Zura. I thought okay. that was, huh? I've never heard that. Kind of like, I just I thought mean, the sangria with peaches was just a bellini. Something with peaches. You know, a sangria with peaches. Oh, I was thinking like with the sparkling, like a bellini. Bellini is type. a sparkling, yeah. though, but that's not a sangria. No, and that's yeah. Italian. So, yeah, Zura. We'll have Great. to do a deeper dive into that at some point. The modern craze for sangria in the United States, here we go now, dates back to the 1964 World's Fair in New York City. The uh, pavilion that was sponsored and occupied by Spain featured the drink, and Americans went batshit crazy for it. As they do. And have been thirsty for sangria ever since. See what I did there? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Today, under European law, all sangria must be made in Spain or Portugal. So just like they have labeling laws for different um, domains of origin or like champagne and things like that, sangria is also a protected beverage and it has to have at least 12% alcohol by volume, which is, you know, respectable. That's it. That's a low ABV wine, but a high ABV cocktail. Wine cocktail. Wine cocktail. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So technically, what we're making here, we can't call sangria. If it has to be in Spain or Portugal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... If we made it in Spain, we could call it sangria. Yeah, so, yeah, if we if you don't hear from us for a while after this weekend, because we're making a couple different sangrias, then uh, you might want to call the cops <laughs> and see if we've been arrested by the... By the Spanish and Portuguese Inquisition. By the EU. By the Parliament. Inquisition. Yeah. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. So there are a ton of different recipes for a traditional sangria, but why don't we tell you a little bit about a traditional recipe? 
So I, I, you, and listen, if you Google sangria recipes, there's a million recipes. It's in, and, and what's so interesting to me is like the vast majority of the hits you get are like 38 recipes for sangria yeah. or, you know, it's got so many multiple things. So I went to one of my trusted sources for all things wine, which is Vine Pear. Um, they do a lot of great education stuff. They do a lot of great um, highlighting of different vineyards, different winemakers. And they also have some resources on sangria. So they have a trend, what they call their traditional sangria recipe. And the ingredients are one bottle of dry red wine, one cup orangina, you know, that like yep. little orange yep. drink. Um, they said you could substitute with Fanta if that's Fanta, you Fanta, Fanta. Uh, two apples cut into one-inch chunks, one cup of chunk pineapple, and two oranges also cut into one-inch chunks. This doesn't sound good to me. No, at all. the pineapple threw me. I'm also yeah, allergic the pineapple, to pineapple. Not interested in. But usually, when I see it abroad, it's with like apples and oranges. Yes. That's typically I've never what seen. You get. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen pineapple. So, but also, the orangina is kind of throwing me off a little bit too. Like this sounds really sweet. I mean, with the fruit and the orangina. Maybe it's for a British palate. I don't know. It probably is. (laughs) So, the directions are: combine all ingredients in a pitcher with ice and stir. And then that's what you do. I mean, pretty (laughs) fucking straightforward. But here's the here's the key, though. You really want those flavors to meld together. Um, I would approach this less like a cocktail and more like a soup almost, if you think of it that way. And listen, I don't want to get into one of these debates as like, is sangria soup? That's a whole other fucking podcast. But they do. Who says it's soup? Have you have you seen that podcast? No. Where it's like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Is no. the ocean soup? Oh, it's fucking delightful. It's hilarious. I mean, a hot dog is a sandwich. Wow. It's a piece of meat between bread. That's How does that make a fucking sandwich? Isn't that the definition of a sandwich? You don't need meat to make a sandwich. Okay, it's it's something in between two pieces of bread. Is a quesadilla a sandwich? I wouldn't consider a tortilla to be bread. Could it be a bread? Yeah, okay, work. <laughs> That's another podcast. I tricked her oh, into it. going into something when she said she didn't want uh, to. Anyway, um, <laughs> the key with sangria, as I was saying, is to let those flavors combine and meld together so you want it to sit and chill for at least 15 minutes and quite frankly when i make sangria the longer i think the longer it sits the better so i'll combine everything and then add the ice right before i'm gonna serve it it's like your leftovers being really good right yeah like exactly the meal that you had last night is better the second day. Most well, of then the all that fruit gets like, you know. Boozy. Just a little potent. I love it. So there you go. So what are some regional variations of the sangria? So, I mean, the thing about the variations is literally sangria can be whatever you want it to be in, in some sense. Because now you see a ton of places that are doing Sangrias with white wine, sangrias with rosé wine, sangrias with sparkling wine. So mm-hmm. there's no single variation. I think in like Catalonia, so like Barcelona, one of one of the predominant ones you see is a cava sangria because you're in cava country, right? Like that's the area where cava is coming from. So most restaurants tend to also offer that alongside a traditional red sangria. But the other variation that um, I, or the closest thing to a variation that I found is a Tinto de Verano. And this literally translates to summer red wine. It is a cold 
wine-based beverage that is made of one part red table wine, one part sparkling lemon-lime soda. Some recipes call for like a shot of vermouth, but definitely not necessary. And then it's garnished with a lemon wedge. And frankly, Love delightful. Don't it, Fucking delightful. Yeah. And so you see that a lot, but only in the summers. Well, because it's Tinto de Verano. Right. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. it's in the name. Okay. <laughs> just saying. It's in the name. So that's, that's a fun little variation. So if you don't want to go through all the hassle of like, you know. Cutting get, up some. Some fruit. Fruits and and like, like letting it sit and doing all the things. getting a liqueur yeah. and doing all that. This is yeah. an easy peasy way to make this happen for you. Perfect. All right, Jules, why don't you lay some fun facts down on us? Fun facts with Jules. Here we go. So under European law, the use of the name sangria for commercial reasons is restricted under geographical labeling rules, as Drea mentioned, just like champagne is. In 2014, the European Parliament approved new labeling laws to protect aromatized drinks, including sangria. And what is an aromatized drink, you ask? Well, let's stick to wine for this one. So an aromatized wine is defined under EU law as a drink, which is obtained from wine. (laughs) Captain Obvious. It's aromatized with the addition of natural citrus fruit extracts or essences with or without the juice of said fruit. Uh, Spices may have been added. Carbon dioxide may have been added. It has not been colored and has an actual alcoholic strength by volume of not less than 4.5% volume and less than 12%. And it may contain solid particles of citrus fruit pulp or peel and its color must come exclusively from the raw materials used. No, red that down number five. That is some serious fucking, like, restrictions. They're not, not restrictions, like guidelines or whatever. Yeah, we can't bring Hamon back. Explain this to me. Listen. (laughs) Uh, Traditionally, a Spanish sangria is made with Tempranillo wine, as Drea mentioned, um, which is really ubiquitous throughout the United States. You can find a a decent Tempranillo, like, in your grocery store. So it's a really easy wine to find to make your sangria with. I mean, if you're paying $15 for a bottle of Tempranillo, it's probably going to be... Pretty, Pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be decent and wine. this is just to kind of throw that in here in terms of quality. Don't buy a $3 bottle of wine to make sangria. I feel like everyone thinks of it like, oh, it's you can just buy just go really cheap because you're masking wine. it with the other yeah. stuff. But D- don't do it. So this Shit is, in, shit out. I mean, but this is also like my rule with cooking wine. You don't cook with fucked up wine. Because when you cook it down, the flavor concentrates. So if it was bad before, it's going to be bad yeah. after. Same deal with sangria. I mean, now you're just going to be a sugary, hot-ass mess. It's just true. It's true. I will admit to using, like, not great wine to cook with. Like, just leftover wine that, I'm like, well, obviously we're not going to drink it now. So, like, especially white wine. I'll keep that in the fridge for a long time to cook with. Dude, that turns to vinegar. I'll do it. For fuck's sake. All right. No one's ever complained about my food. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just see the face she's making right now. Anywho... <laughs> As we did mention, in Spain, sangria is a seasonal drink that's really only prepared in the summer, mostly due to its refreshing nature. 
and especially when the weather is burning hot. Just like here in San Diego. Oh, stop it. <laughs> if you visit Spain in winter and they have it on display, you should be very wary and suspicious because you're probably in a tourist trap. Also, the menu is probably full of pictures. Run. I do like the paella pictures. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, I travel with Hot Rob. Sometimes he needs pictures. And sometimes I'm just exhausted of translating menus. And I'm just like, there's pictures. He's just going to eat what you put in front of him. It doesn't matter. He's like, But John. we like to let him think he has a modicum of, like, choice, right? Uh, Control. No, there's no free will in my house. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So the thought of having a sangria in winter for a Spaniard is similar to how you might feel about a pub offering mulled wine in the summer. Which, I would drink a mulled wine in the summer. Anywho. Okay. So I tip, when I'm in Spain, it's typically in the fall. And yeah, when you see people ordering like sangria by the pitcher and it's, you know, 54 degrees out, you're just like, I hate everyone right now. But I'm also like, that's not what I want when it's 55 degrees out. No. So there's that. Having said that, however, I did find another little fun fact that National Sangria Day is celebrated on December 20th. What the fuck? Wait, who's National Sangria Day? I did not say, but it said (coughs) probably the United States because we have a national day of fucking everything here. Like every day there's a national day of something. But December 20th, which in the Southern Hemisphere would be summer. In the summer, Southern Hemisphere. Right. But Spain is in the northern hemisphere. I know, but I'm just saying. But if you're in Brazil, say, do where they, I was born and raised. Do they drink like sangria that would be in Brazil? Uh, well, I was a child when I was there, so I don't know. They probably have sangria, but... Time to call Margaret. They were... <laughs> I don't know. We were more um, caipirinhas, Cuba Libres, you know, rub and, rum and coke. and Okay, I say we, but I wasn't drinking that when shit. I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> don't lie. Max and Gordon were drinking the hard <laughs> shit. Correct. So there you have your fun facts about sangria. And come come December 20th, make sure you pour yourself a nice glass of sangria to celebrate Ugh. National Sangria Day. We're going to have to keep our eyes open for that this year. Because I've never actually heard that. Oh, like if any of the local bars do something stupid yeah. for it? Yeah, we should totally go. Oh, 100%. We're also in San Diego, which December 20th could be 90 degrees. Sure. I mean, and, I'm you know, be, listen, I'm going to be surly as fuck either way. Why? I mean, that's just who she is. Because it's December or because it's National Sangria Day? Por que no los dos? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Everything you always wanted to know and some things you didn't about sangria. So for this episode, we each came up with our own sangria recipe that we are going to share with all of you. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get on into it and get drinking. Jules, what what have you got for us? Okay, so Andrea says we each came up with our own recipe. Mine is adapted from a New York Times cooking recipe. So it's Fair. kind of taking a recipe that was out there and adapting it a little bit to something that I thought sounded better. Julesifying it? I julesified it. Improving upon it. And so I'm calling this El Dia Rosado. I like it. I which like it means already. the Rose Day or Rose All Day. <laughs> or the Rosie Day. The Rosie Day. The Rosie Day. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this is a Rose Sangria, in case you didn't pick that up from the name of the recipe. I mean, if they're drinking, they might not have, so that's fair. This is true. 
It includes two and a half cups of fruit, preferably a mix of red and pink fruits, because remember, we eat and drink with our eyes first. Also, is that like your fruit serving for the day? Does that, how, how it's many? It's definitely your sugar intake for the day. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, sure. I mean, two and a half cups of fruit. Well, but it's a pitcher, so. Oh, like you and I couldn't finish a pitcher each. It's two bottles of wine. Two? The fuck you do? Okay. Yeah. You know, so I gotta listen. I'm going to shut my mouth. Shut your mouth. Okay, so two and a half cups of fruit, one to two tablespoons of granulated sugar. I prefer to go on the lighter side of sugar, so I would start with one tablespoon, and then you could maybe add a little bit, or you could even add like a simple syrup if you needed it to be sweeter. Half a cup of Cointreau or Grand Marnier, and if you're really cheap, you could use triple sec or some other cheap-ass orange liqueur. Wow, that got judgy fast. I'm just, I don't like triple sec. I mean... I'm a I'm a Cointreau Grand Marnier person. Fancy with margaritas. I just fancy as again fuck, bitch. Shit in, shit out. Two bottles, two bottles of rosé. Jesus. I would chill those in the freezer for about an hour for an added level of coolness before you add it to your sangria, and one cup of tart cherry juice. Cool. Yep. So. To make this sangria, you're going to add the fruit, the sugar, and the Cointreau or Grand Marnier into a pitcher, muddle it all up until the sugar dissolves, and then you're going to stick that in the fridge for 48 hours. Four to eight, not 48. Four to eight hours. Okay, I was like, that's aggressive. No. Yeah. Four, so perfect recipe for a barbecue or like a dinner party because you could just prep that part in the morning or like, you know, early afternoon before things start to heat up. And then you're going to add the wine and the cherry juice and then serve that over ice. So the wine and the cherry juice don't get added until after everything kind of like macerates and does its thing. Uh, hot tip, a hot Jules tip, you can always add a splash of sparkling water or a little bit of kava to give it a little tickle. And that's actually pretty traditional too. Like mm-hmm. you always get like a shot of soda or some sparkling just to, yeah, give it that effervescence, so yeah. to speak. Nice. All right. So um, paint the scene for us. What's what's going on? What's pairing with this delightful El Dia Rosado? Okay. So I went off Jules' book and actually did three individual components because usually I do everything together. Wow. I know. I'm impressed. I, know. I'm imp- I mean, it's only taken me like a year and a half to wear her down, but we, we're finally getting there. Well, I mean, you actually could pair all of these together. There is a scenario where they all could go together. So for food, I would do a flatbread with some jamon and peaches. So like a light, very, very summery, summery yeah. maybe some arugula or arugula salad on the side. Or appetizer-ish cantaloupe um, with jamon. Like nice. the old yeah. school like cantaloupe covered with the ham. Yeah. With a toothpick in the middle. Look at you. My mom used to do that all the time when I was young. Very fancy. Situation, a lazy river. <laughs> Just, just floating along just a lazy river. Just up a lazy river somewhere, everyone. And I'm saying it could be a pool lazy river or it could be a lazy river, like an actual, like like an actual river. rafting, but like a really slow lazy river. My sister does it in Wisconsin and it looks super fun. So I could totally see this, like, put your fucking sangria in a hydro flask, have your plastic cup, have everything like in a little cooler that floats next to you in the cold river water. I mean, will a slip inside suffice? No. That's unfortunate. But that could, you do you. And then for entertainment, I would say a movie in the park after dark. So if you're at a lazy river at a pool, you they could 
possibly project a you know a movie in the pool like the hotel lafayette used to do that the uh, movies the, at night the pearl the pearl Sandy, over in point loma the hotel um the hollywood roosevelt does that in los yeah. angeles so that's what i'm popular. saying lazy river pool day type thing with a movie there you go there you have it what's the movie it's gotta be something that you've seen before oh i was like if you say a rom-com i'm gonna backhand you well, I was going to say something like The Goonies. Yes, because Goonies never be say great. die. That's right. And also, like, you've seen it a million times. You don't you have to really pay love attention. It. Love yeah. it. Yep. Um, the other one, like The Breakfast Club. Like, one of those, like, 80s, you know. Say like, anything. It, yes. Wow. That could That could work, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Saw that. But that's a that. rom-com. Uh, yeah, but it's John Cusack. Oh, so that's okay. Yes. You are so fucking inconsistent. I can't keep up. I'm an enigma wrapped in a mystery. (laughs) Fine. Okay. Drea, go. Your recipe. Okay. So my recipe is called the Spanish-American War. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) I've been making this sangria for years, and I love it. So, um, it, it okay, here are the ingredients. So you need one bottle of Tempranillo, and per my note earlier... Get a decent one. Don't get a don't get like a four dollar fucking Tempranillo from, you know, the bottom shelf at Trader Joe's. Like, move your eyes up a little. Ten bit. to fifteen bucks. Yeah, ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. Bucks. You're gonna get some good mileage out. You're of it, still so. drinking this stuff, and you want to wake up feeling like absolute dog shit. Right. And so, um, the reason mine is like the Spanish American War is I use a Spanish wine, but I use an American liquor. So you're gonna add half a cup of American bourbon. Uh, Got a kick. (laughs) A cup of apple cider. I like to jazz things up with some bitters. And honestly, it's whatever I'm feeling. So you can do your, you know. You do you? Yeah, you can do um, just kind of the normal bitters. But I also, I have quite the bitters collection. I like to put um, cherry bitters and Mexican chocolate bitters in mine. So this kind of feels and sounds like like a fallish sangria. A little bit more. I mean, feels like a little more on the spicy. It's a little bit spice. more on the spice yeah. side, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's also typically like my preference, and it's sort of for all times of the year. Um, and of course, a little bit of that sparkling water to top. If bourbon's not your jam, I totally get that. You could sub out a decent vermouth. There's actually a lot of really great American vermouths. If you wanted to make this a little bit lighter, I would do like a really good. Um, who is it? Is it Mom Pop that does the blood mm-hmm. orange yep. vermouth? That's really delicious. So, you know, you could always sub that out a little bit if you wanted something a little bit lighter. I'm partial to the bourbon myself. Um, for fruit, I do apples, blueberries, oranges, and strawberries. So the apples, oranges, and strawberries, just slice those up. And my method's a little easier. I just throw all that shit in a pitcher and put it in the fridge. I do like to leave it there for, you know... Four to six hours. So again, as Jules recommended, like prep that in the morning before you're going to serve it so that everything has a chance to get like nice and happy. That fruit soaks up all that yummy goodness and then put it in your nice pitcher, serve it over ice. Um, I have to give a shout out to one of my college besties, Kevin, who he has he has one of those fucking plastic containers from Costco that looks like a bear that like animal crackers came in oh yeah yeah 
That's sangria bear. Oh. So there's no animal okay. crackers. He just makes his fucking sangria in I there. Like and it. it's delightful. And he sticks it right in the fridge. Go Kevin. And it's such a great idea. It really I adds, haven't met Kevin, but well, I like him. He's fantastic. It really adds to the ambiance of the whole situation. So yeah, that's the Spanish-American War. Okay, and what are you pairing with your sangria? So for food, I am sticking with that Spanish-American theme. And I am serving my signature burger, which is a rip on... My favorite burger in Barcelona from Bacoa. So this is an all-beef patty, caramelized onions, manchego cheese, butter, lettuce, and a nice spread of fig jam on the bun. It is... I mean, minus the cheese, I'm in. Fucking delicious. Um, situation, absolutely 100% dining al fresco. Like minus that. mosquitoes. <laughs> Sans mosquitoes. I mean, I'm gonna get tore up, but it's worth it. I always, I always want to dine outside like an idiot. <laughs> and how are you being entertained? So there is a old film from 1967, starring Peter Sellers, who I love. I love old movies. They are 100% my jam. As long as they're not rom coms. As long as they're not rom coms. Um, and this one is called The Bobo, and it takes place in. Spain and he's like a bullfighter who's trying oh. to win the favor of this woman but it's just like a total screwball comedy and it's hilarious because it's have to fucking watch Peter Sellers. Yeah. Um, and it's just fun. It's just light and it's easy. Um, just like Sangria's easy drinking. I so love there it. There you go. So there you have two really different recipes for a Sangria which we are actually going to be making this weekend for Andrea's dad's birthday. And we're gonna do a little carnitas taste test where we're both making carnitas and then Andy and Rose are bringing some carnitas down from LA. Andy be talking a lot of shit how those LA oh, carnitas are it. gonna kick our ass. So. I, I do love the carnitas that they bring down though. So we do have our work <laughs> cut out for us. And then Dre and I are gonna make our sangria as well. And then, I don't know, I mean, there's not gonna be a way to like blind taste test because they're going to look very different. But. Right. But we can definitely get some votes like we did for yeah. our spritzers. Jules won, I won last that time. One. I won that so round. So I'm looking for redemption. She's looking for a win here, people. Gotta get a win somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you're, if you want to make your own sangria, like we said, we've got these two recipes, but really the world is your oyster. Definitely. Go to the Google, check it out. There's a million variations on the theme. And honestly, like, I would say get inspired by your own wine rack in your fridge. Like, what have you got? You know, do you have some watermelon that you probably need to get rid of? Do you have a lemon that's looking a little sorry right now? Do you have an apple that's just starting to show her age a bit on the skin? Not quite as yeah. crispy what, when you bite into it. What you got in there? Yep. Um, Throw it and, all in. And let that be your cue. So get creative. Uh, and if you have a great sangria recipe or come up with one once you do that fridge rating... Slide into our DMs. Follow us on Instagram. We're at Two Girls and a Great Pod. That's T W O Girls and a Great Pod. Show us what you're making. Share your recipes. You may Show be, us what you're working with. And you may be featured on the gram. Um, and if you have enjoyed this episode, our hot tips, Jules's fun facts, and my love of deep dark history, get, leave us that five star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. So, until next time. Cheers. Salud. Oh, you can tell that's not a wine glass. It's a sangria glass. It sure is. It's called a mason jar. Well...